0: You're listening to WERA 96.7 FM, and this is Media on the Radio. Each week, we interview someone who has an interesting story about how they found their way into the creative class. They also share advice and insight into their own professions. This week, we have John McNulty.
1: You may learn more in the pre-interview than you learn in the interview. I'm a sound guy, so I'm thinking... I think I'm going to do this interview in the back of the Prius because it's the quietest spot in my world.
0: John is an all-around interesting, entertaining, and very creative guy. We talk about all the different projects he's involved in. John has a long career in music and in tech, and he talks about the importance of balancing those careers. We met at a wedding of mutual friends, uh, it was a while ago. It was like 2012 or 13, we were sitting next to each other. So we chatted and you end up following people on social media and I've gotten to see a bit of your personality over the last couple years, you had this kind of thing on the side that you were trying to develop, which was the, or you did develop, which was the, the rapping robots, which I assume anyone listening right now would want to kind of know a little bit more about what robots rapping
1: means. <laughs> I've been a lifetime musician. Uh, you know, I played ever since I was in my teens. So I had recorded some, some songs and I wanted to get out and play them for people. Um, and uh, I didn't have a band to do that with. So I um, I think the example that I was following was They Might Be Giants, a band called They Might Be Giants, who played. Um, they started in the 80s. And they played just two of these guys played to pre-recorded backing tracks. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I can do that. I'll just stand in front, you know, stand up on stage. I'll have my backing tracks. I'll play guitar and sing. And that'll be my show. I'll play my originals that I wrote. And, you know, people get to hear them. My nickname at the time was Skater Man because um, in high school I skateboarded all the time. And so I called the name of the band Skater Man in the Box of Death. And the box of death to me was just my um, little recorder that had all my background tracks on it. I go over and press play and then um, I'd, I'd play along with it. And uh, so I played this coffee shop and the the one guy was like, dude, he's like, I liked it. But you know, he's like, where is the box of death? You know, I want to see the box of death. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so I, went down in the basement and I uh, took a saw a jigsaw and um, some plywood and I cut out basically like a jack-o'-lantern type of face and I put um, inside of it what's known as a color organ they were kind of invented in the 1960s and what they do is they react to sound and so I put that inside of my jack-o'-lantern face and I was able to trigger the the um, the lighting up of the face with audio and what I did was I, I took the background vocals and piped it into this color organ. So, only whenever you'd hear the backing singers say something, would the face light up. So um, I'd have backing tracks, and then there's this. The box of depth would be my background singer.
0: Is there somewhere somewhere where people can see video or photos of of that? I mean, I'll post when we post the episode. I'll post some pictures, but
1: there's videos on YouTube. I'll link to those things from RobotMouth.com.
0: The, some of the pictures I saw, the the robots became somewhat elaborate. I mean, did you have a background in robotics or sculpture or anything like that?
1: They had bodies, and then you know, moving bodies, and then necks that turned, uh, and then jaws that that moved up and down with along with the words. So I had a background in electronics design. But most of the stuff that I that I did, I was looking at Halloween props. So, I mean, this was like in the early days of the Internet, you know, uh, there wasn't a lot of, of stuff. But um, people that had made Halloween props were kind of my main uh, go-to as far as how to build circuits that made things move. Um, and so my mission was to, you know, get into more complex robots that you could see from farther away. and. Um, but still, the the other consideration was that they needed to be small enough that um, I could transport them pretty easily. And, um, you know, they couldn't be, lo- like, life-size as tall as me.
0: So I just saw the new Blade Runner, and you probably don't want them to necessarily be as tall as you <laughs> for that purpose, too. <laughs> what I know from, from other people that have been in bands, and I know people that, uh, you know, are musicians that play in a lot of different bands... There can be kind of personality issues, or the bands break up, or it can be in a sense cat herding to get people to practice and to get five people in the same moving in the same direction. Is it easier, right, to just create your own band out of scratch, in a
1: sense? Because of my experiences of being in bands, I work that into the dialogue in the Robot Mouth show. So, in other words, I have I have me and the robots sing funny songs. And then in between the songs, uh, there's banter back and forth between the different characters. And each of the characters have has a different voice that I, I do all the voices for all of them. But um, they they get in fights. And, you know, they would be all the same fights that a real band would get into, you know. And so having having been a musician for all, all my life, I, I know all of the fights that a band gets into. Um, and, you know, I have certain songs that are, you know, about a certain character wanting to be the lead singer of the band and you know then you know each of them chime in and they'll sing a verse you know basically kind of a tryout for the lead singer you know who's going to be the lead singer who's going to get all the attention who's going to give it the ladies you know
0: not knowing uh, a lot about music or robot production or how to put on a show i that seems like a lot of work putting all of that together
1: i've always had a daytime job in tech of some sort. I respect people that are full-time musicians or full-time entertainers. It's hard to get started um, doing it, and um, you, you may be passionate about it. you may you may love it. When I go to see a, a show of any kind, if it's, you know, a comedian or a band, I'm always putting myself in their shoes and thinking, what what would they need to say to the the audience at this moment to get the audience into this show? Or what what has gone wrong with this show? Or how could I do what they're doing, but do it better? Um, Or sometimes I come away from it. So I love to see live music, and I always come away with one of two thoughts. Either, one, they were fantastic. I want to be exactly like them. Or two, they were horrible. I could do so much better than that. I'm going to go down to the basement and write another song.
0: There's this term I I used to throw around or this idea of there's a lot of people that are like artists without mediums. You know, they're they're kind of artists type people, but, um, they, they don't have necessarily like an outlet. And I think there's also the flip side of that is there's artists that kind of use all kinds of mediums and just can't help but create. I'm answering the question that I'm asking you, but what would you say about balancing the work that you kind of have to do to doing the creative side? Like how do you how do you maximize that and how do you balance it?
1: Yeah, you know, I think there is a misconception that when you're doing something creative, you're always at your happiest. I get frustrated sometimes when I'm working on a song, you know, I'm writing a song and I'll be like, oh, this song is is great. It's the best song I've ever written, but I can't figure out the, the bridge that I want to put to this song. And I'll get super frustrated. And I'll be very glad that Monday morning rolls around. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to totally switch gears, do my database work, do my reporting work. And uh, so I, that's, that's the way I've always lived my adult life, is that I always have two jobs. I have one job in music and entertainment, and I have one job in tech, and um, neither of them go as well all the time, so it's good to have the other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what, would you, what advice would you have for just musicians in general? I mean, it seems like you've been kind of uh, around the block in terms of touring, um, trying to be a full-time musician, as you said, and just being a musician from a really young age, which I think a lot of people are, that, you know, they pick up a guitar at age eight, and they just keep Going from there, um, what advice would you have for young people that that are pursuing that that craft? In
1: 1999, I attended a music conference. It was the Millennium Music Conference, and so it was like three days of you know people performing, uh, industry people talking to you about you know getting signed to a record label, how you tour, how you manage a band, the business side of being in music i i came away with one overarching idea from this conference and it was that there's no real benefit to me getting signed to a record label and this idea that i've been chasing all through the 1990s was just a false idea you know you start off playing coffee houses then your bands uh, moved on to playing some small venues in the area. And then you started to pack that small venue. And you were selling your cassette tape at the time. And uh, you sold uh, f- 500 copies of your cassette tape. And then you moved uh, to some of the larger venues, you know, and you started sell- selling out those venues. Then you came out with a CD and you, know, you sold 10,000 copies of, of the CD that you made. At that point, then somebody in the music industry starts to listen, and it's kind of a catch twenty two because um, the people that could really benefit from having great management and having uh, somebody set up their their tours and, you know, having uh, you know to be able to be forwarded a bunch of money to do a, another great recording, those are people that have already proven um, you know, the people that get that are the people that have already proven that they can do it on their own. The great manager that finds some act that's still playing in their basement doesn't exist. That that just taught me, you need to get out there.
0: Where can people find you if they're listening in the Pittsburgh area in the next month or so?
1: I play in a band called The Adorables, and uh, we it's spelled like the animal, like uh, the Chicago Bulls, so The Adorables. So you could go to theadorables.com, and uh, see where we're playing. We're a party band. We play a lot of weddings and private parties and things. Um, Basically all kinds of music to get people on the dance floor, but uh, we play weird instruments. So I play the ukulele, we have an accordion player, um, an acoustic bass player, and then uh, the percussionist plays a suitcase. Check us out at Arsenal Cider House. We've been playing there um, pretty regularly. They do outdoor concerts from May to October. Um, and so we're, we're a very regular occurrence there. The, the other website to check out, um, is robotmouth.com. If, uh, if I'm playing a live show with the robot band, I'll announce it on robotmouth.com.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. Ta- talking all about robots and your music background and it's been, it's been a great conversation. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. One more thing that I wanted to add was that one of the things is that I used to compare myself to the animatronics that Chuck E. Cheese does, but I've heard through the grapevine that they are discontinuing their animatronics. And uh, so, you know, for a long time, they have cornered the market in the uh, animatronics robot entertainment industry. And so now I believe that there's an opening now that they're, they're stopping the animatronics you know they, they I think they just want to put in like 15 more skee-ball machines so instead now people are going to be coming to Pittsburgh to see Robot Mouth. uh so I'm happy to oblige I'm, I'm glad that they're you know my number one competitor is is now out of the market you may
0: want to check the dumpsters you may be able to repurpose a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> this is media on the radio check out the back episodes on WaitWhatPro.com. You're listening to WERALP Arlington
1: 96.7 FM.